you got victory in this house, you ought to give God a crazy praise. If you don't have victory, you can sit there if you want to. But if you got victory in this place, you ought to lift your voice and declare it. It may not look like victory right now, but I'm here to tell you that the battle has already been won. Can I remind somebody that the fight is fixed? Can I remind you today that you serve an undefeated God? You serve a victorious God, which makes you more than a conqueror, which makes you an overcomer. You ought to rejoice in that right there. I may not have victory now, but I'm declaring it in the spirit that I will be victorious. I will come out of this. I will. You see, when you have that revelation right there, that I'm a victorious believer, you can't stay sitting in your pews. When you have that revelation right there, something wells up on the inside of you and you just gotta tell somebody, I got the victory. You ought to look at your neighbor to your right and your left and say, don't call me a loser. Don't call me a loser. I got victory. I got victory. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm victorious. I wish somebody with victory would give God a praise like the battle's already won. I wish you would give God a praise in front of your enemy, in front of the devil, and say, I may be down right now, but you better believe that I'm standing up. Because I got victory. nothing more than for you to just sit there wallowing in defeat wallowing in self-pity upset with everybody around you and making excuses as to why you can't give God praise or as to why you can't live an overcoming life on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday the devil would love nothing more for them than for you to just sit there and, and entertain those thoughts of defeat and entertain those thoughts of, of low self-esteem and depression and anxiety. I wish somebody would look at the devil in the face and say, not today. You've had me for far too long. Not today. I may have fallen yesterday and last week, but today is the day that the Lord has made and I will, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Somebody give God a victorious praise.
tongue. Oh, come on, give him a victorious praise. Somebody give him a victorious praise. I have no sad stories to tell. I got victory. I have no sad stories to tell. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm victorious. You see, you're not bragging about yourself. Let's get that straight. This has nothing to do with me. That's the best part. It has nothing to do with you. But everything to do with the God that you serve. When you realize that, that I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I don't wrestle against that person down the street that did me wrong. I don't wrestle against my brother and my sister. But this is a spiritual battle. We wrestle against principalities, wickedness in high places. This is a spiritual battle. And when you realize that, all you got to do is pray. And all you got to do is give it over to God and say, you've already won the fight, Jesus. So all I'm going to do is give you praise. All your job is, is to give God praise for the victory. All your job is, is to declare that you serve a victorious God. Somebody give God praise in this place. Come on, somebody clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. Come on, shout with a voice of triumph. That lets every devil in hell know I'm standing up again. Come on, shout with a voice of triumph. That lets every demonic force that would try to keep you shut up and bound up that I'm still here. And it's only because of the grace and mercy of God. Somebody got it. That's victory rising in the building. That's victory rising in your heart and in your mind and your spirit. That's victory that you feel right there. the fence about it somebody's still questioning whether or not your God is able somebody still has a little bit of doubt in here 
Sometimes you just got to look at the enemy and say in Jesus' name. Sometimes you don't have the words to say. You don't know what scriptures to read. You don't know what prayers to pray. So all you can do is look the enemy in the face and say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you've got to go. Fear, in the name of Jesus, leave. Doubt, in the name of Jesus, leave. Depression, in the name of Jesus, leave. Somebody do it right now. Speak the name of Jesus. Oh yeah, that's all you need, baby. You don't need anything else but the name. You don't need a 12-step program. You don't need a 30-day refresh cycle. All you need is the name of Jesus. Speak the name and demons have to flee. Speak the name and cancer has to bow. Speak the name and diabetes has to go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give y'all a hand clap of praise in this house. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Thank you for victory, God. Thank you for victory, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just a few more moments. We don't have to rush anything. Come on, we don't have to rush anything. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your God is more than able. Your God is more than able. Don't you ever forget the God that you serve. Don't you ever forget where God's brought you from. The victories he gave you in the past. The overcoming power that he gave you when he fills you with the Holy Ghost. Don't you ever forget. past the hour, past the climate, past 
what's going on and living a victorious life living an overcoming life hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Jesus if you can you can make your way back to your seats oh, hallelujah hallelujah thankful for what I feel in this house this morning thankful for his presence oh thank you Jesus oh, oh God Come on, it's done. It's done in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody receive that right there. It's done in the name of Jesus. Come on, the mountain is moving right now. In the name of Jesus. It's done. It's done. It's already done. Katrina. Come on, God is still able. God is still able. God is still, I still got breath in my body. That means God isn't done with me yet. I still have breath in my body. That means God is still able. That means God can still heal. That means God can still make a way. That means God can still deliver. If you haven't jumped on board yet, the waters are being troubled right now. The waters are being stirred right now. If you haven't figured it out yet, God is here. If you haven't figured it out yet, God is here. He's moving right now. You don't have to wait till tonight. You don't have to wait till Tuesday. You don't have to wait till Christmas service. You can get it today. It can happen right now. It can be taken care of right now. He's here. He's here. We serve an ever-present God. 
who's not bound by space, who's not bound by time. Where you speak the name of Jesus, he is dead. When you speak the name of Jesus, he has to show up. When you speak the name of Jesus, yes. God, I feel it in this place. I feel it. We may never move past this right here. I'm telling you, you can get everything you need in a matter of moments. You can get everything that you need from God in a matter of moments. of you that think this is out of order I want to remind you today 
keep praying. I want to remind you today that there was a time when they began to dedicate the temple of the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord came down in a cloud so thick that they couldn't even minister by reason of the cloud. The Spirit of God was so strong in that place that they couldn't move forward. I feel His presence here right now. If you feel this is out of order, then I'm sorry. But God is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God is setting some people free right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, God, for your spirit. Let's clap our hands in this house. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a sweet presence we feel in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Feel like we could really blow the roof off this place, keep it going. But I feel like I've got to get this burden off of me. So I want to direct your attention to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 59. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. I want to say what a privilege and honor it is to stand behind this desk. I don't take it lightly. To all of our guests and visitors, we want to welcome you to the Rock Church on a Sunday morning. Amen. This may be a little different than what you've, you've experienced before, but it's definitely all right. It's more than all right. It's Bible. It's Bible. What you're experiencing is what they experienced on the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago when they were up in an upper room waiting on the promise of God and all of a sudden, <laughs> a rushing mighty wind came sweeping through that place. And the Bible says, cloven tongues like as a fire appeared unto all men and fire sat on each of them and they began to speak with other tongues as God gave the utterance. That's the Spirit of God. And to some it looks crazy and it looks unnatural. That's because it is. It's supernatural. But that's okay because we serve a supernatural God. And he's here today. He's here today. I want to thank Bishop in his absence for trusting me. I love you. He's away on assignment today. This church loves you, Bishop. Amen. This church loves you. We appreciate you. If it wasn't for you, a lot of us would be lost. If it wasn't for God, we'd be still in sin. But if it wasn't for a man of God to show us the way, 
I'm thankful for my man of God. Let's begin reading in Isaiah chapter number 59, verse 1. The Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But, everyone say, but, your iniquities have separated you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. And he that eateth of their eggs dieth and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the acts of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Tell my students at RCA that when we get together and we read the Bible every morning and we do chapel class and we have discussion about what we just talked about. And I tell them unashamed and unabashedly that I'm stealing their notes and what they said. And this is no different. This is a scripture we read and I could see the look on some of their faces and as soon as we read it, it was as if something resonated with me and I felt like God was saying, this is what you're going to preach. So <clears throat> with the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I want to talk to us for just a few moments about the matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. Would you put your Bibles down one more time? Let's lift our hands to heaven. God has already met us in this place. Now let's ask him that the seed would fall on good ground, Lord. We thank you for the moving of your presence, God. But we believe you're not done in this place. Speak to our hearts, oh God. Speak to our spirits, Jesus. We need you more than ever before, God. We want to leave this place changed. We want to leave this place with a new perspective, oh God. We want to leave this place transformed by the renewing of our minds. God, let us not only be hearers of your word, but doers also, Jesus. We'll be careful to give you all the praise, glory, and honor. And someone said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Matters of the heart. In the scripture, typically when you refer to the heart, most of the time we are not referencing the physical heart. That organ inside of you that's pumping blood even now. But oftentimes when we're, we come across that scripture, it has a deeper meaning and it, and it means the spirit or the will of a man. The seat of emotions. There's a lot of different ways that it can go, but suffice it to say 
that when we talk about the heart, oftentimes we're not talking about the physical. We're talking about the spiritual. Jeremiah 17 and 9 verse says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The first thing you've got to understand about your heart, your mind, your will, your seat of emotions is that it's wicked. I love it when I hear people say that they got a good heart. And they mean, they mean well when they say it. But if they only realize that nothing that comes out of this heart of mine, nothing that comes out of here is good. It's all evil. In the New Testament, Paul answers the question, who can know it? In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, he says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Matthew gives us a little insight as to what exactly comes out of our heart. Matthew 15 and 18 says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile the man. He's dealing with the Pharisees who are concerned about the disciples not washing their hands while they're eating and that because of that germs and, and things are going to go inside of them and it's going to defile their bodies. And Jesus says to them, that's not what we're concerned with here. He says, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. What he's trying to tell them is quit worrying about the things that are on the outside. Quit worrying about the natural man and start to worry about the spirit. Before you ever think that you've got a good heart, you ought to take a look again back into this mirror right here. And check and see that if your heart doesn't line up with this, which I can almost guarantee you it won't, then you don't have a good heart. I hear people say all the time, well, you know, I'm a good person. And I don't, I don't do all the bad stuff. I never killed anybody. And I never, I never committed adultery. Kept myself from that. I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a good person. I don't really cuss that often. <laughs> that often. But all have sinned. I said all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You may look like you've got it all together on the outside. But I'm telling you, if we dig just a little bit deeper, there's some things on the inside of you that just aren't quite right with God. You may look like you've, you're, you say the right things and you do the right things and you go to the right places. But the truth of the matter is, is that there's some things deep down inside that only God can see. I got to give a shout out to Kingdom Speak, which is a podcast by Pastor Daniel McKillop. And one of the podcasts he talks about is, or in that podcast he talks about this scripture that the word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents. Well, who can tell the difference between an intent and a thought? How do you, how do you, def, how do you 
delineate between what is a thought and what is an intention. Only God can, can figure that out. Only God knows the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. It's so interesting. You don't have to teach. Parents know this. You don't have to teach your child to lie or to steal. Comes natural. Ever since the fall in the garden, we don't have to teach our kids to. I remember one time there was this kid who was raised in church. He, his parents were very careful about what he watched, what he listened to. He was homeschooled. And a guy came to the door one day, and he was there, and he was listening. And the guy was talking to his dad or something, and he, he's cursed. And the kid immediately was like, oh, my word, that's a bad word. And his parents started thinking, how do you even know what that word is? But somehow, that child knew that that word is not a good word. You don't have to teach man to sin. Man is good at sinning all by himself. The problem comes into play when we don't correct it at that age. And I'm not a parent, first lady. I'm the college and career pastor. So I'll just talk to the college and career saints this morning. But when we don't correct it at that age, that's when it becomes, starts to become a problem as they grow older. And then it's not just little white lies. Now it's cheating on your taxes. Now it's... <laughs> well, let's leave it there. Thank you, Jesus. You look around the world today and you wonder, how have we gotten to this point? Can I tell you today that it is a worldwide condition? Sister Tabitha, this one isn't misinformed. That worldwide condition is sin. It's sin. Every man has sin in their life. Every man is fallen. And that is the result. That is, is, is the, the fountain out of which all of these things flow. It comes from sin. Depression, suicide are at a peak nowadays. People are giving up left and right. The Bible says that men's heart Hearts would fail them. And we think the answer is more TikTok. Or YouTube. Or government. I'm amazed at the amount of people that put their trust so much in the government. If we only realized that it's God who sets up kings. And God who takes down kings, we'd sleep a whole lot better at night. Knowing that he's in control. <laughs> he's in control. I don't care who's in office, who isn't in office, what bills they're passing, what bills they aren't passing. God is in control. God sets up kings and God tears down kings. If he don't want so-and-so in office, he'll take them out of office. If he wants somebody in office, he'll put them in office. Now, before you go crazy, I'm a patriot. I, I, I believe in, 
I believe in our, our inalienable rights, and I'm thankful for what our founding fathers did years ago. I'm thankful for that. It's because of that that we have freedom to gather today. It's because of, do, go look at your history. It's because of what they sacrificed hundreds of years ago that we have the ability to come into this house today and worship freely. I'm thankful for that. But I refuse to get wrapped up in this left and right game. It's a red or blue game. That if you're not what I, if you don't think the way I think, then we just can't be friends. Or I just can't come over your house or, Lord have mercy. All of those things are just distractions. The distractions from what the real issue is. We want to analyze everything and say, okay, what happened that forced this person to do ABC? Or what happened in this person's life when we go back to their childhood, forced them to become ABC or D? When the truth of the matter is, is that it's sin. But we want to medicate everything. And we want to say that's the reason why this child has ADHD. Or the reason why you can't sleep at night is because you need this medicine. Or the reason why you're depressed is because you need this medicine. It's a sin issue. It's a, it's a heart issue. It has nothing to do with the physical. Now, sometimes, don't get me wrong, sometimes there are clinical depressions. I understand that. I'm not ignorant. But nine out of ten times, it's spiritual. Nine out of ten times when you start to look at a person's life, first lady, you can tell that just not reading the way they should. And, I, and I'll testify. I've been in those situations where I feel down and depressed and, and I'm looking at my life and saying, what in the world is going on? And as soon as I start looking back throughout the week, I can tell, yep, that's where it came from. From my fallen nature. Quit blaming society for everything that goes wrong in your life. Quit blaming society for the way that you were raised or for the things that happened to you as a kid. You've got to look past the man. You've got to look past the government and past principalities and, high, and look at it and say that it's sin. We've got to look past all of that physical and look, and look into the spirit, look deeper and realize that it's a heart issue. It's a sin issue. We're trying to put band-aids on everything. We're, try, we're trying to medicate everything and, and, and pass programs and, and, and have food kitchens and all that stuff when really what we need is a heart transplant in America. In our world is what we need is a heart transplant. We don't need another program. We don't need another self-help book. And those are helpful, don't get me wrong. But what you need really is to get into an altar and submit yourself to God. This isn't popular preaching, I understand that. But that's really what you need. You don't need to see a psychiatrist or some, a professor, a doctor, somebody with 12 degrees on their, on their board. What you need is a good hour of prayer where you let the Holy Ghost sink into your mind and you, and you let God do the thinking. You let God do the talking. You know, it's interesting because sometimes we, Actually, oftentimes we get in trouble because we're doing the thinking. We're overthinking. We're trying to put two and two together. We're trying to make things work and figure out how things add up. When all the while God is saying, why don't you just let me speak through you? 
Why don't you let me do the thinking? Why don't you let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ? Why don't you take on the mind of Christ and let him do the thinking? We've taken prayer out of schools. The Ten Commandments are no longer displayed in courthouses. And we've made everything about science and human ingenuity. Don't get me wrong. There's a place for science. Oh, God. There's a place for science and creativity. God gave that to you for a reason. He gave you that mind and that understanding for a reason. To use it for his glory. The problem is we got scientists that are trying to disprove God. While all the while they always come back to. I can't really get down to the crux of it. I, I just know that something was there before something else. I know what it was. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was God that spoke light. It was God that divided the light from the dark. It was God that... I might get in trouble. First lady, but I'm only speaking to college and career this morning. Just so we're clear, I'm only speaking to college and career. But this is why I advocate for Christian education. I wrote it down, probably won't get a lot of amens. I wrote it down. And that's okay. That's okay. I understand. There are many reasons why we don't want to put our kids in an apostolic environment. I'm speaking to college and career first lady. So if I go out of bounds, just tell me, please. College and career, I'm talking to y'all. Amen. There are a lot of reasons why we won't put our kids into school. Such as indoctrination with humanism. Wouldn't want to put my kid in apostolic education because I want my kids to be indoctrinated. And I'm being facetious. That is not what you want. But that is what you're saying and what you are doing. College and career. We expect our kids to go to school, get a good education, learn how to be productive citizens, balance a checkbook. But instead, they become flooded with indoctrination, with humanism, gender theory studies. I don't play left and right games, guys. So before you think this is a Democrat-Republican thing, it's not. It's a sin issue. It's a sin issue. Critical race theory. I challenge you. Go look at what they're teaching in schools nowadays. I really challenge you. Go look at what they are teaching your children nowadays. College and career. It's filthy. 
It's okay for men to lay with men. They just won't have any offspring. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God created you to create. The Bible says every fruit after, every seed after its kind. That means men don't belong with men. I'm sorry. And women don't belong with women. And no, you're not confused. It's a spirit. There's nothing wrong with you. It's a heart issue. It's a sin issue. It's a fallen man issue. You weren't born wrong. God knew exactly what he wanted you to be. He's the one that put the chromosomes. To... See, we can believe that God created the heavens and the earth. But nowadays, we find it interesting that when, or I find it interesting that a man is accepted with another man in some churches. Please hear me. I love everyone. I don't care what your sin issue is. God can handle that. And you're more than welcome in this church. But you won't leave changed. Not if you're serious. Because God said it's black and white. There is no in between. There is no, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. There is no gray area. I digress. This is why we need a savior. Because our world is going down the drain. It doesn't take very long scrolling through the news to see that there was another mass shooting here. And there was another person over here that committed suicide. There was another person over here that did this. Another person in the government did this. Doesn't take very long to realize that our world is going down very quickly. But the thing is, and this is what I want to talk about this morning, is that it starts with me. It starts with you. Before we ever see it in the macro, before we ever see it on a large scale, it's got to be in the micro first. It's got to start in the heart. It's got to start with the individual. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is dealing with this same generation that Isaiah was dealing with in chapter 59. And it's a very similar generation to today. A generation that once changed but are not willing to dress the crux of their issue, and that is their sin. They ask the question, where is God in all of this? And they seek to put the blame on him, not realizing that it's because of their own sin that they've been separated from God. When a news anchor gets on the news and says, if God was real, then why didn't he? Or if God was real, then why doesn't he? Or when your favorite celebrity gets on and says, this is why I don't believe in God, because where is he? Why would he let this happen? Just like they hung Jesus on a cross for their own sins, is the same way that they do it today. And they put it all on him. They're looking for a scapegoat. They're looking for somebody to pass the blame to. All the while, never looking at their own self in the mirror and saying, could I be contributing to something here? 
Is it possible that I'm in the wrong? Is it possible that I have a sin issue? Is it possible, saint of God, that I haven't prayed in a week? And that's why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing? Is it possible that it's been a while since I've gotten in the Holy Ghost and read my Bible and sought after God that I'm at odds with my brother and my sister? But no, it's everybody else's fault. God forbid. God forbid we sit here and pass blame. That's one of the oldest tricks in the book. Eve went, it went from Eve to the serpent. Or went from Adam to Eve, Eve to the serpent. If the devil spoke, he would have said, God, you created me. You knew I was going to be the devil. <laughs> He's dealing with a generation. Go read it when you get home, Matthew chapter 23. He's dealing with a generation that talks a good talk on the outside. Nothing's wrong with them. But everything that comes out of their life in private and in public... When they're with their friends and when they're on the job is the total opposite. It's poison. The Bible calls them a generation of vipers. Their words are poisonous. When you read that scripture in, verse, in 15, uh, Isaiah 59 verse 5, the Bible says they hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth. And that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. A cockatrice is another word for like an adder, a poisonous snake. When they lay eggs and people consume the eggs, they die because of the poison. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, everything that comes out of you, every egg that you drop is poison and it's meant to kill. And further, if someone doesn't consume it, don't worry, that egg will hatch. And a viper will come from that egg. And then becomes a vicious cycle. Becomes a vicious cycle because we let these things run rampant in our lives, in our hearts. The Pharisees were so concerned with looking right on the outside. Jesus called them whited sepulchers. But he said on the inside you got dead men's bones. He said they were, they were trying to keep the right traditions. They were trying to make sure that they followed the steps to a, to a T. There's a time and place for that. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus was presenting a new paradigm to their life. One that did away with the old physical sacrifice of bulls and goats. He said, I'm tired of it. One that did away with the physical temples and the strict adherence to the laws for the physical. And he was introducing them to a paradigm that dealt with their hearts. Jesus' first message, as a matter of fact, on the mountaintop, often quoted out of it, or often quoted, the entirety of the message he was dealing with men's hearts. And he was introducing them a new way of living. And he said that no longer is murder just on the outside. But I tell you that if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder. That's up here. That's a, and, we, and, and we don't like to conflate the two. We don't like to equalize the two, but Jesus said it's the same as you committing murder. You lust after another man's wife. You've committed fornication according to God. It's iniquity. It's the stuff up here. Isaiah said that is what is separating 
you from God. This is why I don't shove holiness down new converts' throats. This is why I am extra careful when it comes to somebody first coming to God. God doesn't care about all that stuff at first. He doesn't care about the whited sepulchers. He doesn't care about the sleeves being all the way down to the, to the wrist. He doesn't care about at first. After a while, that Holy Ghost will start working on you. That Holy Ghost has to work on you or else you ain't got the Holy Ghost. You got something fake. You just mumbled a little bit. Because when you really got the Holy Ghost, it starts to work on your heart. When you really got the Holy Ghost, it starts in your heart. And then it works its way on the outside. Jesus was telling the Pharisees, quit worrying about getting it right before men. He said, they draw nigh to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You're acting like you love me, and you're acting like, like you, you respect me, and you appreciate You act like I'm the Messiah in front of people. But truthfully, truthfully, if we were to go home, this is why I find it interesting when talking to people that go to church. And when they go home, they're totally different. They come to church and they only listen to gospel music at church. And they only, they don't cuss in church. When at the house of God, respect the house of, please don't, I feel like I have to qualify everything. They have to respect the house of God. I understand that. I respect the house of God as well. I do. But Jesus was looking past that. He's no longer bound by a box. This can't hold our God. I love this church. I'm thankful for this building. I reverence it. I respect it. You'll see me picking up trash. You'll see me plunging toilets. I'll do whatever I got to do to make the house of God look good. But don't ever get it twisted. This is where God dwells. God said, I'm done with the physical temples. I'm done with... As a matter of fact, he said, I'll destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. He's trying to tell him, look, it's not about what's on the outside. It's not about, it's not about perfect-looking buildings, and, and it's about the heart. It's about the heart. The Bible says that. Only God knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so it is only God who can change the hearts of men. It is only God that can truly change the heart of a man. It is only the Holy Ghost that can really work on somebody and transform them. You can't do it in the arm of the flesh. Listen, if you come into this house and you think you can just will sin out of your life, you're wrong. If you come into this house broken and you feel like you can just put the pieces back together because now you come to church, then you're wrong. 
There has to be a deeper, there has to be something deeper that, that gets inside of your spirit, gets inside of your heart and your mind and transforms you. It's no longer about the physical. It's no longer about the stuff on the outside. But I'm trying to get down to the crux of the matter. I'm trying to get down to your heart. We need a heart transplant. Every sinner and every saint. We need a heart transplant. We need God to take out that old man. Take out that old creation and put inside of us a new creation. Give us the mind of Christ. Isaiah is talking to the children of Israel and he's telling them that the Lord's hand is not short. That he can't save and his ear isn't heavy. That he can't hear. In other words, you serve a God that is more than able. You serve a, we kind of dealt with it already, but I feel it again. You serve a God that is more than able to meet and supply every one of your needs. There is nothing to, we serve a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It is not God's will for you to be broke for the rest of your life. And if you need further clarification, go back and listen to Tuesday night's sermon. It is not God's will for you to live paycheck to paycheck. Relying on the government, relying on other people to survive. God called you to prosper. God called you to be an overcomer. God called you to write the checks. Use me, Lord. <laughs> he was saying our God is not the problem. It has nothing to do with God. He can hear you. And he can reach you. The problem is, is our iniquities have separated us from God. You want change in your life? You want to see change in this world? You need God to answer your prayer? Let's take a look at the heart. Let's take a look at the, the thoughts and intents of the, of the heart. Let's stand in this house. Isaiah was telling him there's something in your heart that's keeping you. From hearing from God. There's something in your mind that's keeping you from receiving a word from God. There's something that you've got going on up here that's, that's, that's put a block. I want to tell you today that it's sin. But don't worry. Because every man since Adam and Eve was born into sin. And shaped in iniquity. But that doesn't give us an excuse to just live that way for the rest of our lives. That's why God came down in the form of a man. Took upon himself the form of a servant. Became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's why he came down and hung on a tree and died for our sins. So that they might be remitted. So that we might be forgiven and then we could live an overcoming life. That's why that happened. The only way to be truly changed is to do what Peter told the crowd that day. 
on the day of Pentecost. I'll never stop preaching this. I'll never stop declaring this. Sister Pack, I'll never forget the truth that's been passed down from generation to generation. I'll never stop declaring it. So if, so if you think this is old news, if you think this is dry and boring, then I'm sorry. You've missed it. This is the most important message that anyone will ever hear in their entire life. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Every one of you for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not an if, it's not a maybe. It's a shall. If you repent, repentance is to turn away from your sins completely. If you turn away and you say, God, I'm ready for my heart to be changed. God, I'm ready to get on that table and you to do a heart transplant on me. God, take out this old man. Take out this old nature and renew within me a right spirit. Transform me by the renewing of my mind. That is the only way that you can truly receive change. That's the only way that you can truly get a heart transplant. That's the only way. That's the only answer for this world. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sorry to tell you, there is no other answer. School can't fix it. The doctors can't fix it. The professors can't fix it. Intellect can't fix it. Money can't fix it. The only answer to a heart issue is Jesus Christ. The only answer is repentance baptism in Jesus name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost this is what Paul was talking about in Colossians where he was telling them talking to them about putting off the old man the Bible says you're buried with him in baptism wherein ye are also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the or handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. You don't have to leave this place dealing with the same sin that you've been dealing with. You don't have to leave this place living the same life that you've been living. You can leave here changed. You can leave here transformed. I'm a testimony. I'm a living witness that God is able. I'm a living witness that God is able to transform your mind. The psychologist will tell you that there's no hope. The professor will tell you, well, your mom's like this, was like this. Your grandmother was like this, and her grandmother was like this. So, statistically speaking, you'll just have to deal with this for the rest of your life. Or social economists will tell you, well, if you come from this section of town, and your family lived in that section of town, and their family lived in that section of town, then the likelihood of you ever making it out of that section of town is very low. And the likelihood of you ever being different than what your family was is very low. Your dad was, was a liar. Your dad was a cheater. Your dad was unfaithful. 
So you'll probably be a liar, you'll probably be a cheater, and you'll probably be unfaithful. I'm here to tell you today that it stops here. It stops right here. You don't have to leave this place carrying the weight of generations. You don't have to leave this place with the burden of what your father or your mother or your grandfather or your grandfather or mother did. You can leave this place a whole new person. You can leave this place transformed. He goes on in verse 17, says, any man that be in Christ is a new creature. Old things, that old mindset has passed away. And behold, all things are become new. Don't think that it happens overnight, though. Sometimes people get mixed, mixed up on that and they think, well, I haven't changed. Still dealing with all these issues. The act of becoming is a lifestyle. It's not a diet, first lady. It's a lifestyle. I'm actively becoming what God has called me to be. The truth of the matter is, is I don't even know if you'll ever become what God has called you to be. Not fully. Because of the, your fallen nature. But I'll tell you what. I'll be chasing after that. I'll be pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I'll be making my way there. The problem is people get mixed up and they want to stop. And because of sin and condemnation, because of lifestyle, because they didn't get it right today, they want to sit and they want to, they want to wallow. They want to say, well, I guess it just wasn't for me. I guess I need to be rebaptized. I guess I need to... I don't know. I guess I need to do it over again. It's a process. But I'm telling you today that with the help of the Holy Ghost, it is possible for you to throw off that old man and for you to take on the new nature of Jesus Christ. It is possible for you to leave here transformed. It is possible for you to leave here renewed, restored. The world doesn't need any more entertainment. The world doesn't need any more politics. It needs a united church. United under one God. United under one call. United in one body. How do you get into that body? The Bible says you're baptized. Born again into the body of Christ. I wonder if we can lift our hands in this house this morning. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, let God deal with your heart right now. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. God, I, I, I'm fallen. God, I'm a sinner. I need you. God, I don't always get it right. I don't always say it right. But today I'm making it up in my mind that I'm not going to leave here the same. Today I'm making it up in my mind that I'm going to be transformed. Today I'm making it up in my mind that I'm leaving here with a new perspective on life. 
I'm leaving here full of the Holy Ghost. I'm leaving here baptized in your name. Come on, somebody. Why don't you lift your hands in this house? Let's talk to them right now. These altars are open. I implore you to come down to this front. Come on, I, I encourage you to come down to this front. It's at the altar. It's at the altar where you're made transformed. It's at the altar where that old man dies and where that old man is buried. You can't do it from a pew. You've got to bring yourself and drag your flesh to an altar. And you've got to crucify your flesh. Come on, it takes you making the move today. God's arm is not short and his ear is not heavy. God is right there, willing, ready, and able to meet you. But you've got to make the move. You've got to make the decision that today, that today, God, I want you to change my mind. Today, God, I'm not leaving until you change my heart. I'm not leaving, God, until you give me a new heart, until you give me a new mind. Come on, somebody, make your way down to the front. Put your pride aside. Put your pride aside. That's what the Pharisees did. They looked at everybody and said, I don't want you to think that I'm a sinner. I don't want anybody to think that I got issues. So I'll just stay in my pew and I'll make it make it look like I got it all together. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. Give me 
doing it right now. He's doing it right now. In the name of Jesus.